1: In this episode of The Market Dominance, guys, Chris Beal and Corey Frank continue their conversation with the co-author of Outbound Sales, No Fluff, Ryan Resert. Chris shares a view that is a bit unpopular but rings true. He states that this pandemic will civilize our society. This is part of the civilization process that by matching the need to the capability of a solution, it will be done without lying, tricking, and pushing. It's a big honesty bath that will cleanse a lot of us off. Corey dives into the concept of a repeatable process of leadership versus luck and leadership. Those scale much better. For a guide on how to come out of this restructured sales environment with everyone working from home, join Chris, Corey, and Ryan for your tips for the week. This episode is called The Culling of the Non-Professionals.
2: So do you think, Chris, that Especially working from home with this kind of unholy trinity, if you will, of working from home, no real understanding of how to lead and manage and motivate a remote team, and the fact that we don't understand the math of sales as adroitly as you and Ryan have communicated, that we're in for a great culling of the sales herd, if you will? What do you think is the effects of this? Do Does our profession get wounded at the outset, on the other side of this? Do they get smarter? Do they get leaner? Do folks bail on our profession because they don't understand the intricacies? What do you guys both think happens here on the other side of this thing?
0: Wow, a prediction. This is rough. <laughs> not much of a predictor, although if the math is strong enough, I'll make a prediction. So in this case, sadly, the math is pretty strong. And the math says it's not really about the salespeople, it's about the companies. There is going to be a great culling. And the great culling is going to be that a lot of companies are going to go out of business. And we're going to be acquired uh, for valuations that are not their dream valuations that they had six months ago in their heads. There's going to be a great shakeout. Tech is going to be the most shook. Because tech is always the part of the economy that runs on speculation. That is, you take in venture dollars or equivalent, and you hope to grow into those pants that you just bought, but you're not in them yet. And then suddenly, you're not growing anymore, and your pants fall down, it's a little bit awkward. So this is a situation where we're going to see a great shakeout. We've seen these before. This one will be worse by far with regard to tech and shaking out, oddly enough, even than the tech crash of 2001. And the reason is it's not focused on tech. The tech crash of 2001 had the nice quality that it was tech companies selling to each other. So when they went down, they took each other down. This is the economy as a whole. This is everybody. And when it's everybody and companies stop building pipeline, then they come out of the other side of the stalled. So they may well, in fact, the the worst strategy is the foxhole strategy, is stopping. I'll go back to the sailing analogy. The worst thing you can do in a sailboat is stop. When when you're no longer making headway, your uh, rudder doesn't even work. You turn the wheel and nothing happens. Literally, nothing happens unless you're moving forward. It's called wallowing. It's a, a wonderful term. And to get started again, You know, in a lot of situations, you need a motor to get started again. And when you come out the other side of this, nobody's going to put gas in your motor. Because they're going to look at the ones that are still moving. So investment is going to move toward movement, not towards stasis. So those who go into the foxhole, they're not coming out. I've been doing this, as you know, Corey, for an inordinately long time, right? I've been building tech companies for 37 years now. And I've never seen one start again that was dumb enough to stop. And yet, it's the single most popular piece of advice being given by investors and others. They're saying, hey, during this time, pull in your horns, go into the foxhole, stop. Because we gotta conserve cash. Cash is not the issue, although it is the issue. That is, if you run out of cash, you're dead. But when you run out of forward momentum, you're debtor. <laughs>
2: You're going up the mountain and you're out of oxygen and the advice isn't to let's curl up in a ball and wait for somebody to rescue you.
0: Right. Right. The advice is you better keep moving and you may have to move down, but you got to move.
3: Yeah. The the, the quote I like uh, around this is from Roosevelt, Franklin D. Roosevelt. There are many ways going forward, but there's only one way of standing still. So to your point, you can go backwards. Uh, That may be forwards right now. You can go forwards, you can go sideways, whatever, but standing still and doing nothing isn't going to get you anywhere. Getting back to Corey's question around the future, I don't like to predict this, but you know, it's been kind of my mission is I, I call it the modern sales movement, wh- whether it was with Inside Sales Bootcamp or the initial hypothesis of the sales developers before it moved to the direction we were going was really trying to help companies establish the modern sales best practice, which gets back to what we talked about at the top of it, which is how do you redefine what pipeline looks like and the companies that are going to die are those who they're too short-sighted they're focused on the here and now they don't have a long-term vision of where they're trying to go and they look at all those shortcuts along the way versus standing in a direction and saying hey that's my north star this is where we're going of course it may look like this along the way this way this way backwards forwards whatever but they still have somewhere they're going and so when that goes to the sales profession the challenge is that we always have these short-term goals that are changing all the time. Who are we targeting, what are we saying, why are we doing this, what's our pricing, who's our best customers? You know, We do this, we do that, we discount, whatever it might be. All of that has to go away. In the future of sales, we've gotta to move towards chapter one, lesson one, solve a problem or go away. To Chris's point, we're out there searching for those who have a problem we may be able to solve either now or in the future. And as a sales professional, as an organization, That I'm representing I need to passionately genuinely believe that my organization that I'm working for actually solves a major business or technical issue for these people that I'm engaging and when I engage it's my honor my duty my whatever you want to call it to ensure that I'm doing everything in my power to help move towards solving that problem for them even if that means that I can't do that now because of whatever limitations of where my company is it's still my duty to have that conversation, gather the information and try to support where I can. That to me is the future of sales. It's what it should be today. It's definitely what it needs to be tomorrow. And I think we're going to start to see that happen as people figure out what that movement needs to look like. That's where success will lie, right? Very good targeting An understanding of it's not now, it's at some point where we will exchange capital in terms of the money part of the sales. But in any case, we're exchanging value. My time, your time today, you know, hopefully the solution to your problem in exchange for money tomorrow. That's how, that's how things work in the business world. And that's how I see things coming together.
0: Wow. That's a super hopeful message. Could I, could I jump on that a little bit? <laughs> I, well, Is it too that, optimistic? Well, no, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I've said something that is very uncomfortable for people to hear, and that is that this pandemic is finally going to civilize our society. And this is part of the civilization of our society, is learning how to match need to capability or solution uh, without being uncivilized. That is without lying, without tricking, without pushing. Without any of the things that are traditional in sales, where there's sales book after sales book written on techniques to cause somebody to believe you when you really shouldn't be believed. Right? Yeah, I got tons of them, right? And so now I think we're getting a big honesty bath here that's gonna cleanse a lot of this off. And I think it's gonna be remarkably positive in that there is there's an opportunity here. To get rid of a lot of the luck, a lot of the baloney sales that it's like, why did that happen? Corey, you wrote a really good post once that said if I achieve something, a deal by luck, I should not celebrate that deal. And the tradition of sales is to get deals by luck and then celebrate them. Right? That's Uber's. what we celebrate sales is the closed one deal, regardless of whether it was obtained through a repeatable process or obtained through luck. And there are only two things in the world, repeatable processes and luck. There isn't anything else. And even within the repeatable process, all we're doing is containing the luck. We're just saying we want to put the luck in a bucket so we can have this kind of luck, the yeses, and this kind of luck, the noes, and this kind of luck, the not me's, and this kind of luck, the not nows. And then once we have those four buckets, we can manage our luck appropriately. We manage our yeses towards deals. We manage our noes towards kindness. We let them go. We manage our not nows toward follow-up, toward the future. We have future conversations and explore then when, and we manage the not me's by asking politely then who. And that is how we manage the luck that's inherent in search because search is basically kind of like, we call it you know a lucky a lucky hit, a lucky find when we find something. And I think that we're going to see a turning away from luck-based sales and a turning toward process and science-based sales where it's cleaner because we're not altogether rah -rah rahing each other so much. And now we have to actually look at the facts and deal with the facts and then move forward based on the facts. And I think that's really going to change sales. So In a positive, negative way, I think there's gonna be a big shakeout. I think they're always kind of positive because people end up somewhere and companies are not people. We shouldn't mourn them too much when they go away. I don't know why people mourn companies more than people, but they seem to. (laughs) And and, uh, it is true.
3: Connect
1: and Sell. Welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Connect and Sell allows your sales reps to talk to more decision makers in 90 minutes than they would in a week or more of conventional dialing. Your reps can finally be 100% focused on selling since all of their CRM data entry and follow-up scheduling is fully automated within Connect and Sell's powerful platform. Your team's effectiveness will skyrocket by using Connect & Sell's teleprompter capability as they'll know exactly what to say during critical conversations. So come on, give your fingers a rest with Connect & Sell. Visit ConnectAndSell.com. You're listening to the Market Dominance Guys with your hosts, Chris Beal of Connect & Sell and Corey Frank of Uncommon Pro.
0: And, and on the other side, I, I think civilization is kind of coming to us all, whether we want it or not. And I think it's coming to sales faster than almost any part of the economy, because sales was the least honest part of the economy, even though it's the most honor—a a very honorable profession.
2: Mm-hmm. So why, why then? Uh, Chris and Ryan, would you think that uh, you'd, you'd mentioned the, uh, the foxhole strategy? Why are all these smart folks, right? You saw the Sequoia report, of course, you know, conserve cash. It seems like if you have a repeatable process, that that is the, the juggernaut, that is the, the tank, that is the tool that you can drive through these gale force winds. And it seems like luck as a strategy if I'm faced with conserving cash and I'm hunkered down in this foxhole, I'm just waiting for the shell to hit my foxhole. I can't do anything about it. It's just completely random trajectory, whether it hits my foxhole or not. Having a repeatable process seems the only logical approach to take in a strategy like this. Yet, Why do you think there's this disparity from a lot of smart people, a lot of smart CEOs, a lot of smart VCs that are advising folks to hunker down to cut to conserve versus drive through
0: well i know the answer to that because i've been around for 40 years doing this crap right so i've been through more downturns than are comfortable and the reason is simple it's doability one thing you're sure you can do is cut cough, <laughs> right? right. And so you'd rather do things that you're sure you can do than things that you don't know that you can do.
2: So it's the lowest common denominator, what they're doing.
0: Yeah, it's the highest confidence factor that the action will get a result. You cut costs, you get lower costs. It's really Mm -hmm. simple. And by the way, I highly recommend that in times like this, folks, cut costs, because it stimulates you to look at your organization more realistically. And if some growth is coming off, some of your costs are to support that growth. If the growth isn't going to happen because of secular conditions, then cut some of those costs. You know, there's only so, there's three ways that companies run out, they die, right? One is they don't provide something of value. So that means they were dead all along. They just didn't know it. Another is that they run out of cash. In that case, they're dead because they starve to death. And then the third way is they get wiped out by competition, That is, Mm -hmm. they're dead because they don't know how to take markets, which is our our main theme in the market dominance, guys. Well, running out of cash is not a great way to die. Oddly enough, it's pretty easy to avoid it if you have a business, because we talked about this on a whole episode of market dominance, guys, you shrink the core of the business, which is the the overhead, the middle of it, not the important part, the, the overhead, in order to match your gross profit flow. And then you're all right. It's just as simple as that. You just take a number and you go, pop, 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 and you cut until you get to that point. And then you deal with the consequences. It's very simple. Any company that has a, a business, a flowing business with revenue, can do it. And the cycle time to do it is roughly two weeks. It's actually an average of one week if you cut payroll every two weeks. And it's just the mathematical nature of the beast. And everybody should do it to whatever degree makes sense. Because without survival, we don't have anything interesting to do. You know, we're dead. Being dead. All mm-hmm. dead companies are equally uninteresting. You
2: know, <laughs> That's right. did a whole That's episode
0: right. about just that, right? That's right. But, That's right. But having done that, what's interesting is you also need to get over a fundamental error on the sales cloud, on the revenue side of your business, which is this conceptual error. The error is that salespeople produce sales results. This isn't true. The spreadsheet that you built that says if I have six reps and each one of them has this quota and each one obtains 85% of the quota, blah, 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 then I make this much money. That's not what happens. It's I have this much opportunity, market opportunity sitting in front of me yeah. at this point. I'm sampling it at this rate by having conversations. Those mm-hmm. conversations are turning into business in the future with this cycle time at this approximate revenue. And my gross margin looks like X. Therefore, I can predict the future cash flow of my company. That's actually how it works. And so if you do something really simple, which is let the lowest performers or the lowest potential, depending on how much money you have and what your future looks like of your sales team, be furloughed or go away and focus the opportunity, the total opportunity on a smaller number and let them enjoy it because they probably will love it and they'll prioritize it, and they'll do wonderful things with it, then you'll get the bulk of the opportunity you would have had anyway, and you get it at a lower cost. So this isn't true of every sales team. I'm actually not doing it with ours. But it's because it's already been done so often at Connect and Sell. There's not much left. Every once in a while, I kind of go, ah, maybe here, maybe there. But when you're doing what we're doing with, I mean, I'll show you again. here. Here's the screen share again, right? Let's look at it. That's a pretty small sales team for a company our size. That's all the SDRs and all the AEs together. By the way, they they booked two more meetings by now, and they've had a boatload more conversations, 94 conversations so far, and it is now. But, you, know,
3: it's, you know, it's interesting, Chris, is like the numbers as they go by continue to go towards the average, right? Like, I don't know what it's been, 30 minutes since you showed this again. So conversations went up, meetings went up, the conversion rate, it actually went up a little bit, but. It's still right around that 7%. And again, if you go back to those who are open to it, those who are buying now, it's always going to be roughly in that wheelhouse. So every time you refresh this figure, <laughs> yeah. you know, sales never, sales lies. never lies, never lies, never lies.
0: Yeah, here's how you know you're running a real sales process. When you put up a dashboard like this and your eye goes to the top, dials conversations, meaning conversion rate, dial the conversation, dial the meeting, follow-ups. Rather than to an individual rep. Yep. That's how you know you're running a process. You know you're in a time of great change when you look at the numbers across the top and go, huh, that doesn't look right. And then you ask two questions, which is, who is killing it and who's struggling? And you ask them in that order. Because if somebody's killing it through some variability, you want to go find that variability. And ask yourself, did we just learn something that we should incorporate? And then if somebody's struggling, you've got to help them because otherwise they'll lose heart. And when they lose heart, they're gone.
2: So let's take that as probably the last topic here to finish up is looking at the a little bit of the math of sales and what you have learned. We've, we've heard a lot of talk. Ryan, you did a podcast a week or so ago with Bob Perkins from AAISP and we, you talked uh, and, and Rift uh, poetic, certainly on some of the results that you've seen on dial to conversion rates and, and to meeting rates. So what have you learned from this when we are homebound inside sales folks working from home digital professionals who are also calling on other homebound professionals in our target market? And so maybe you guys can both talk a little bit about the math of what you've seen, where maybe again, the evolution of the process, if we're becoming more civilized, as Chris had mentioned, then are our prospects responding to that with increased conversion rates? Are they have less distractions at home and that is what's accounting for maybe increased conversion rates? Is it easier to establish trust in this type of relationship? Will it be easier to establish trust uh, over time, especially with this great culling of the non-professionals? So yeah, let's talk from a high level a little bit about the math and what you've learned um, over these past few weeks.
3: So I can even share my screen, right? So the last session I had was just yesterday because I haven't gone on this morning. I've been in meetings before this podcast. I'm on the West Coast. So, but look, here's my numbers. So Chris has been sharing his, this was yesterday on two hours. Uh, it did uh, 179 dials, had 11 conversations, set a meeting, six follow-ups. Not much different than what you just saw from the dashboard, right? 9% conversion rate. Interesting thing about my size or my data that I learned was I went and did some research and I only wanted to focus on what prior to the pandemic was a ranking of the SaaS growth uh, 4,000 and the fastest growing technology companies because I believe those CEOs have something interesting to have conversations about. So this was only founder CEOs and my dial to connect was higher than it's been ever usually this is around 2023 and uh, my talk time was actually two times what i usually see so i was actually having longer conversations at four minutes usually i'm around two minutes or so and one of the things that took me a little bit of time yesterday is i was pausing a lot because i was crafting some more very personal follow-ups once I had some conversations, especially for those that maybe didn't think it was a good time to talk, just to help them understand that I was doing some research ahead of time and, and had something of value there. So if I go into what I've learned most recently and I continue to learn every day is that the math of sales really never lies. And if I looked back over the last few weeks leading through this, I look at our team's data, I look at my own personal data, it's still driving towards roughly the averages. There was a time frame when when I looked at my targeting and, and some of the folks in my buckets where I needed to make some adjustments, right? So the success rates on, say, getting in front of folks in finance right now, their hair's fire. They really, really, really need to be talking to their customers. Now, those conversations are still leading to future conversations. I actually have a potential test drive with a large financial public company and a large financial private company that sells annuities and things like that however the conversation when having the conversation with right now is hey look right now all i'm trying to do is make sure all my customers realize we're here for them but this is interesting let's follow up and so those follow-up meetings are getting scheduled and they're down into the future is that an immediate opportunity absolutely not but i started to make some adjustments saying well my time energy and effort talking to those folks right now while i can help them are not as valuable as talking to some others where One of the CEOs, the meeting that I got set up yesterday was thank you for reaching out. In fact, we're blowing up right now and this sounds very interesting. Let me get you in front of my VP of sales. And so I wanna find those opportunities and be strategic with my data because actually there are those that are growing into this buying window and I'm always trying to make sure that my math is quote unquote hacked. So I spend more time in those buying now than I would otherwise. However, in the, the general landscape, if I look at all the data, and Chris can talk to this, we're actually seeing connect rates go up and the success rates are staying average right around that 7 to 10% on a cold conversation with follow-ups, which again, math of sales never lies when you look at big data. Chris, I'd love mm-hmm. to hear your thoughts on this because I know you're posting. But personally, that's how I think about it. That's how I use the data. And that's now what I'm doing to then optimize based on what I'm learning from the climate.
0: I love that, Ryan. I mean, that adjustment that you made, this is exactly according to what we were talking about earlier, which is, you know, the wind's going to move around. You're going to have to change the set of your sails. You're going to have to change your course a little bit. You're going to get interesting results. They will never be what intuition tells you they will be. That's another thing that we've learned is your intuition is so unreliable that you should stop having it as soon as you reduce it to a list. As soon as you have a thought of, <laughs> hey, this is interesting, stop thinking immediately, reduce it to a list, start having conversations, get out of your head and get out of the conversations re- that you're having with internal folks because that confirmation bias thing that says, well, that won't work, or we tried that before. Man, those are killers. Your huge opportunity is hiding somewhere in this landscape and you got to search the landscape. So Ryan's searching the landscape As his CEO, my heart rate goes down. My blood pressure goes down. I think maybe I'll take a walk or a nap because I know he's doing these great things. So if you're not exploring, you're you're dying. If you're a manager and you can't see what your people are doing, you're like a driver with a blindfold on. It is not going to work out. And most managers can literally not see what's going on with their work from home team. I've had the luxury of being able to watch our team work in detail every day with reports coming to me once an hour. Because, my opinion as a CEO, if I'm not handling or understanding how we're doing at the tip of the spear that we're moving forward, I'm actually not executing on my most important fiduciary duty to the company. Because my duty includes big, big letters grow. And you can't grow the company without growing the pipeline. You just can't, it's actually impossible. So watching the growth of the pipeline, understanding where it's coming from, who it's coming from, how fast it's coming, what the conditions are that are changing that might be making it more challenging or less challenging. These are all part of the CEO's job. Right. And every CEO should be doing this. If they're not, they, they should try it sometime. It's pretty fun. That's what our test point lets you do. Our test drive lets you actually watch your team work from home for a day and know what's really going on in your business, maybe for the first time.
2: So repeatable process and leadership versus luck and leadership is uh, that, uh, that, that, that scales there as well. So well, we're going to let Ryan go since he's a couple hours behind his dials. So, But good thing you have a uh, conversational weapon like Connected Cell and you'll be back in the leaderboard here even with a two-hour trailer like Chris and I have been on your time here for the first uh, part of this morning. So thank you, Ryan, we appreciate it and we look forward to having you back again. Yeah, thanks guys,
3: appreciate it. Good luck out there.
0: Yeah, thanks Ryan, and thanks for all the conversations you're gonna have today. Every one of them (laughs) has value to our company.
2: Yeah, that's really, really good stuff, Uh, guys. I I really like the the repeatable process riff, the math of sales riff, uh, the foxhole uh, strategy, right, Ryan, solve a problem or go away. I think we could spend some time on the pyramid that you've had in your background for, for uh, forever too. I think that's good riff for both of you guys. So I like it. I like the dynamic of both you guys coming from a perspective of a top, you know, as a CEO, as a, as an investor, as someone who's seen upturns and downturns. And I like your perspective, Ryan, certainly as somebody who's trying to push the envelope of, what our profession should be as a digital sales, a modern digital sales professional in the future. So I think we got a couple of a uh, couple of more good sessions that we could certainly have with you if you're game uh, to jump in on these again. So,
3: yeah, no, I'm always happy to, uh, to jump in. And if, if you guys find value in the conversation, more than happy to do it, of course. If Chris is okay with me spending time. Uh, Jerry,
2: Jerry, Jerry here, let asked specifically if we could take as much time from you as possible so he could overtake you on the leaderboard. So that's um, following a uh, family.
3: No, he's, he's, uh, he's beating me on the the revenue number, but I'm going to get him because the math sales never lies.
1: Today's show is also brought to you by UncommonPro.com. Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer or investor is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's really time to go big, you need an uncommon methodology to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. Through a modern and innovative sales and scripting tool set, we offer a guiding hand to ambitious leaders in their quest to reach market dominance. It's time to get Uncommon with UncommonPro.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe.